I had the coolest thing happen to me last, last Saturday. Was it last Saturday when we were here? One of, the, one of the kids came up and asked me, who were Jesus' parents? And how did that ever happen? A little bitty, a little bitty kid said, where did Jesus' dad come from? I thought that was the most awesome question ever. That's a better question than some of you asked me. So I got to explain to her about the Holy Spirit and about Mary the Virgin. And she looked at me, she just stared at me like, okay. She probably didn't understand everything I was saying and I only had like 20 seconds because you know she was running around and this and that. But I just thought that was so cool because somebody's parents are, are, are enticing this child to learn. Now, you know, those of you who know me, I'm really, I am really enticed myself about, about war. And, and I don't mean that wrong. Some of you are going, what? But, but I really love true documentaries of war. And World War II is my favorite subject. Anybody else? World War II is just like, what happened during World War II is America became what it is today. World War II was the catalyst of what America is today. Did you know that? Before World War II, America was not a powerhouse. It was not known as a, as a powerful country. We were like right next, as for military, we were like right next to Morocco. Did anybody know that? We were not known as a powerhouse. We did not begin in the war. We were not, we were not part of the war at the beginning, say in, you know, 1940. We... We, we didn't have any part of the war. We were just helping uh, Great Britain with, with ammunition and things like that. But we didn't become involved until when? Somebody shout it out to me. Pearl Harbor, right? Whenever they bombed Pearl Harbor is when they awakened the sleeping giant. Anybody, am I, am I awakening you in your history lesson? Well, that... That is what really began America as what we are today. We are the powerhouse today because we did something that nobody else would do. Do you know what I'm talking about? We built the atomic bomb. It was tried out in New Mexico. It worked. And so Truman was the president at the time. Roosevelt had already died. Roosevelt was the one who took us through most of the war as president. Truman was president at the time. He asked Japan directly, will you surrender your military before we do something spectacular? They said no. How many times? Four times. I knew it was at least twice. He made the offer four times, Crusher said, but they would not do it because the Japanese are such a proud people. They would rather die than surrender. They would commit suicide before they would surrender. They had suicide squads. They, you know, they had all those people in military that would, that would kill themselves before they would ever surrender. And so they asked them over and over again to surrender their military and they wouldn't do it. And so the first bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. Hiroshima was a thriving town, folks. It had men, women, Children. It was a thriving town and they didn't know, even though they knew in the back of their mind that they, were, they could get attacked, they didn't have any idea 
at the time what was getting ready to happen to them. They dropped the first bomb on Hiroshima. I don't know if any of you remember your history, any of you know anything about this, when the bomb detonated in a three-mile radius, if you were in a three-mile radius of the bomb, you were almost completely disintegrated. There was a, a soldier sitting on the sidewalk. He was so close to the detonation, he disintegrated in a split second, and the shadow, the carbon shadow of that man is still on the sidewalk today. That is all that was left of him was his shadow. When the bomb hit, so many people were burned, were killed. Tens of thousands of people died in a second. Tens of thousands. They were the lucky ones. The people that survived watched their families die in front of their eyes. They needed water so bad and there was no water. The soldiers who were left were told not to give water to the people who survived. The soldiers were told if you give water to the people who survived, it, they would die sooner. As the people laid there with no water, nothing to drink, nothing to eat, it began to rain. It's where we get the name Black Rain. There was so much carbon and so much smoke in the sky, it happened, condensation came up in the clouds and it began to rain. The people looked up at the sky and felt the rain and didn't know what was getting ready to happen. They opened their mouths because they needed water so bad. They held cups up in the sky to, to reach the water, to hold the water in a cup. And before they realized what they were drinking, they all began to drink radiation. Within two weeks, most of the people that drank the water from the sky, most of the people drank the rain, died from the inside out. They began to rot from the inside out. Thousands of people died just simply from drinking the black rain. Years to come, people had radiation poisoning. All these things happened. But think, the thing is, is they were asked again, will you tell us that the war is over for you? They said, no. We will not. We would rather die this is the, the heads of their military. We would, rather, die. We would rather, rather watch our people die than tell you we surrender. The second bomb was dropped on Nagasaki. It missed its mark. It actually fell in a ravine in a valley. Instead of 100,000 people died, 50,000 people died from the smaller bomb. As the second bomb was dropped, Japan finally said, this is all we can take. We hardly have anything left. This is all we can take. Just keep our emperor in place. That was the most important thing. Thousands of people died. As Truman found out, he was on a ship and he found out what had happened. The ship 
full of American Navy men cheered in the fact that we have just won the war. We have just won the war. Hitler had already been defeated in Europe. This was the last part of World War II. We have won. We have become the most powerful nation in the world. How did we do it? By killing thousands of people. You see, war is the catalyst of the powerful nation we are today. Now, don't look at me and say, so Mark, are you saying that we should never go to war? No, I am not saying that. War has been a part of our country, has been a part of our world for thousands and thousands of years. War is even biblical. Did you know that? How many of you remember Mario Murillo? About four of you. Mario Murillo was a televangelist in the 1990s. He was one of my favorite. If you've never heard of Mario Murillo, look him up. He is such an awesome speaker, but he got into trouble on TV because he talked about the blue hairs on TBN. <laughs> got trouble. Because if you talk about the television station, they're going to take you off the television station. He had a mouth on him that sometimes ran just a little bit too much. He was such a good speaker. I even went to some of his things that he had here in Tulsa. He had a book out called, I'm the Christian the Devil Warned You About. One of my most favorite books. If you've never read it, you ought to find it. It is the coolest book. And it will set you on fire. He said three words in it that lit some of the Christians in America. He said, war populates hell. Three words. War populates hell. How many of you agree with that statement? War populates hell. Let's think about that for a second. Japan is not a Christian nation. Thousands of people had to die for our freedom, for your freedom. Could you imagine if we did not win World War II, what we would be today? Thousands of people died for our freedom. And because of the forefathers of that country, thousands of people died without ever knowing who Jesus Christ is or was or could have been for them. Thousands of children. Thousands of people. I ask myself as, as, as I, you know, think about these things and I watch these documentaries, what could we have done different? And I know it's too late to do anything different, but what could we have done different? Because if it's true that war populates hell, what could we have done different? And here's my answer. The church needs to rise up into what it truly is. Yes, there will always be war. If, if you think we're in peacetime right now, it's not true. There is war all over the world. We have an internal war going on right now, right here in America alone. And the war is coming from the fact that the church is not rising up 
to what it's supposed to be. We think more important things are like where we meet, what kind of building we have, what kind of, what kind of money is in the bank account of the church. We, we, we concern ourselves about playgrounds. We concern ourselves about the things that make no difference at all and church has become what it is today. I'm going to write a book one day called Kicking and Screaming because Christians will not go without kicking and screaming when you decide to change things in the church. They will leave, they will gripe, they will talk about the pastor, they will talk about the things behind his back. They'll do all the things that a Christian should never do. All because we get you out of your comfort zone. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm getting ready to get some of you out of your comfort zone. And you better be prepared. Because you see, you can't, well, you can, but you can't be in God's will and leave one church because you're mad and go to another. If you're here today because you're mad at your pastor somewhere else, you need to go back and settle that before you leave. Because once you settle that, you probably won't leave. If you're leaving this church or thinking about it because I'm getting you out of your comfort zone and, and you think, wow, man, these things that are going to happen, we're going to have to have two different services, we're going to have to do all this. Listen, if you are called to one church, you stay there until God calls you to go somewhere else. If you leave this church or any other church because you are just dissatisfied, you're... you're your emotions are running, you are going to go somewhere else with the same offense. Do you realize that offense is a choice? Say that with me. Offense is a choice. You can choose to be offended or not. You see, the only way that church will become and this church will become or any church will become the, the really church that God has called it to be, to be the powerhouse that God has called it to be, is that we need to turn on the switch. And the, and the, and the real light of any church is the Spirit of God. Because if we take the Spirit of God out of church, then the church will eventually die. You realize that? There are so many churches out there that have decided to pull the Spirit, to, to not let the Spirit of God move, to not let those things happen in church because that causes people to be uncomfortable. That causes people not to walk in the door. That causes people, let's give them something excited. Let's give them something exciting to get them in here. And that's all that's important. That is not all that's important. If church is not a place where you can grow, if church is not a place where you can find out who you are, if church is just a meeting place, if church is just something that you go to just to see people, to talk to people and be in cool lights and, and have an awesome band, then there's something wrong. Amen? You see, America became what it is because of war. 
The church needs to do the same thing. You see, we need to go to war over everything that is standing in our way. We need to go to war. We need those people who are ready to get out there, get uncomfortable, and do something that their mom and daddy might have not told them to do. You see, because if you were raised like I was, we're already in this church doing what I was told not to do. Amen? You see, sometimes we were taught wrong. Sometimes we were taught religion. It's time to go to war against those dead things that we were taught and say, you know what? I may be uncomfortable and this may not be how I like it, but this is where I'm going to learn and this is where I'm going to grow. Amen? Let me leave you with these two verses. We're going to look at Matthew 28, 6, I think, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I think that says. Ethan, go ahead and put that up there for me. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and, sure, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. In order for the church to be empowered, number one, we have to make disciples. We must make disciples. That means the disciples are following Jesus Christ and nothing else. That means that the people aren't following the man up on stage or the woman up on stage. We are following Jesus Christ and nothing else. Number two, Matthew 16, 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So they, most people think of Jesus as just a prophet, just a man. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And here this Simon Peter guy, man, this guy, he was so messed up. He was, uh, he was getting ready to deny Jesus his, his very self. And he was, he was a disciple, and he was getting, to deny, to, getting ready to deny that he even knew, knew Jesus. And he said, you are Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, here we go that you are Peter, which means rock or little rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He had not even been crucified yet. He had not even died for our sins. And he was telling them, for some reason, this messed up guy, 
This guy who was just, he just couldn't do, he just couldn't do everything perfect. Simon, he just had problems. He was already getting ready to even deny that he even knew Christ. But for some reason, somehow, he got revelation. Everybody say revelation. revelation. He got revelation in knowing who Jesus was. Jesus said, nobody told you this, but the very Spirit of God told you who I am. Number two, number one, we need to make disciples. Number two, we need to get some revelation, folks. In order for the church to be empowered the way it has been called, we need to make disciples. We need to get revelation in who we are. We need to get revelation in who God is. We need to get the revelation, and we can't get it any other way by the Spirit of God. And if we take the Spirit of God out of the church, revelation is no more. That's what's happening to church today, is we are not getting true revelation. By the Spirit of God, this church will become what Jesus has called it to be by the very revelation that we will get by the Spirit of God. You are going to receive revelation in the next few days, in the next few weeks, in the next few months. You are going to see things that you have never seen before. If you come in here with a sorry attitude, you are not going to see anything. You will not receive anything because simply because of your attitude. Mark, what if I do something wrong tomorrow? What if I cuss tomorrow? What if I, what if I, what? That doesn't matter. God wants somebody with an attitude. He is not looking for perfection. I'm asking for a good attitude. I even ask myself for a good attitude. Gina tells me every now and then, you need to change your attitude. Well, some of us in here need to change our attitude. We need to get the attitude that no matter where we go, no matter how big the building is, no matter where it is, and it may make me uncomfortable. I may not have this or that, and I may have to sit in a different chair, and I may have to do this, and I may have to do that. Still yet, I've gotten the revelation that this is the church I'm called to, and this is the church I will stay, because a church has nothing to do with the building. It has to do with the people and the revelation of the people of what they are called to do. Come on. So, I close with this. What's going to be your attitude in 2017? Better yet, how are you going to spend your time in 2017? That's what I thought. That's hard. How are you going to spend your time? What are you going to do? Are you going to spend your time griping? Are you going to spend your time Are you going to spend your time on the things that just don't count? You see because the we need to get the revelation that the time we spend here is just a very 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 short period of time compared to where we're going. And the reason why we're here is to take more people with us. It's pretty simple. 
So that's the revelation that we're going to get this year. I believe 2017 is going to be the best year AWF Church has ever seen. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand up with Come on, let's just put our hands up and let's just praise Him right now. Father, we just praise You. We give You the glory. We give You the honor. Father, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank You for the revelation that comes upon this church. In the next couple of weeks, Father, as when we end our time here at this building, Father, I just pray revelation. I, I pray discipleship, Father. I pray, Father, I speak discipleship over this place. Father, I speak, I speak good attitude all over the... I speak the be attitudes, amen, Father. I just thank you, Father, that we're not going to have this sour attitude of what are we going to do, where are we going to go, what's going to happen, Father. We're going to have the attitude of we're going, we're doing, and this is exactly what we're doing. We're just going to do it because you've called us to do it. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that this church is going to first grow in your spirit. It's going to grow in knowing who we are in Christ. It's going it's to grow in the Word. It's going to grow, and then it will grow physically. Father, I thank you for the, that we don't much care about the numbers. Father, I thank you that, Father, I just thank you that you've given me this revelation that numbers don't count. It's, the, it's what I'm teaching the ones that are here. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for the year 2017. We thank you for our new president, Father. We just pray blessing upon him and his family and his cabinet. Father, thank you that you have put someone in the White House that, that does really seem to care about his nation. And that, Father, that he will see things that need to be turned around and things that need to, be, that need to remain. Father, we thank you that America will become the nation that it should be, but it's not because of Trump. It's because of your people. We have the attitude that we will move forward. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Come on. I am a brand new creation in Him. I have now approached the presence of God. With no condemnation of sin. That no I, I have the mind of Christ. Therefore, what belongs to Him? Belongs to Come on, him. let me hear you shout it. Again, a shout one more time. 